I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, August 1st, 2020. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... ...it's a late rally on Wall Street... ...too big to fail... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning, what up fam? You're listening to Atlanta's longest running, most respected money show on radio, Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with you today, uh, as well as Nick Antonucci and a special guest. He's on once in a while, Dr. Roger Tuttero. Dr. Tuttero is the uh, he's a professor at Kennesaw State University. Um, more specifically, Dr. Tuttero is uh, the Hensler Financial Chair. I am actually sit in the Hensler Financial Chair. Oh, is there? There, there go, is so. physically a chair. There we yeah, go. it's a recliner, hopefully, but yeah. uh, we'll see. <laughs> no, and you know that was great. I mean, so it was such a great support of the university to have the Hensler Financial uh, contribution come in. It allows us the opportunity to uh, further advance notions about uh, how the economy and finance interact with the businesses throughout the community. Yeah, it works out uh, well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, we'll talk a little about that and the, and the differential um, changes in economic data and uh, stock market data as we go along. But uh, let's talk a little about uh, what's been going on in the stock market. looks like uh, year-to-date we are positive again. We've uh, kind of flirted back and forth with a positive and a negative uh, return on the market unless you looked in mid-March uh, when it was just absolutely negative and nobody wanted to look at it. Again, year-to-date, we are up 1.44%. Information technology leads the charge there, 17.9% uh, higher. Consumer discretion, that, that's another one that surprises me. Yeah. Second best performing sector year-to-date, consumer discretion at 15.6. Yeah. We're up 1.44%. Uh, GDP is down uh, second quarter, 32.9%. This is you know, something we'll talk about in the, in the coming segments what seems to be a disconnect between economic data and where the stock market sits. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, energy is down 38% for the year. Uh, financials down 21%. It's hard for for uh, banks to make a living at such low rates, uh, especially when the yield curve is flat. It uh, makes it tough. But yeah, when I think you there's a 54 basis point spread if you look at the 10s minus 2s. And historically, if you look at the data, anything below a 60 basis point spread between 10s minus 2s is pretty uh, problematic for banks. Now, perfect lead-in with earnings season, the big banks, J.P. Morgan, all those guys, uh, they had decent results carried by market debt. Exactly, their yeah. capital markets operations as opposed to actual traditional banking operations. Yeah, here, which here we go the, again the, with that bifurcation. The smaller guys, yeah, the smaller guys who don't have that same exposure – um, are, are seeing quite different results. Yes. Right. I mean, there's a loose correlation between the spreads between shorts and longs and the net interest right. margin, which right. drives the profitability. Right. But you're exactly right. The, the, big, the big boys' earnings looked good because of trading. But I'll tell you what is going to be interesting as we start to see what they call the call reports for the second quarter come out. 
uh, would say they'll be due tomorrow. You're going to see a lot of community banks and regional banks that generated a lot of fee income off PPP loans. Right. That that will be something that differentiates Absolutely. their normal performance. What do you think, though? You know, Troy and I had this conversation earlier in the week. Next year's comps look like for banks because you do get that giant boost in PPP lending. Right. It's going to make for tough comps next year. Right, it will. And I mean, typically when we look at analyzing a bank, you're going to look at what's their uh, profitability from ongoing operations. So to some degree, you'll set aside the one-time events. Now, historically, those one-time events were special charge-offs. In this case, will be fee income. It's unlikely to be replicated going forward. Yeah, quite often you can look at their their holdings. So they're, you know, they're banking operations, their their loans and, uh, you know, the health of the loans and how well they uh, uh, hedge against any potential troubles down the road as well. Right, and that's the other part of the story is that a lot of these banks are adding a lot of uh, of additional um, buying reserves reserves against loans in anticipation of charge-offs on credits. And later in the show, we need to talk a little bit about forbearance agreements Mm -hmm. and how that plays out when those start fading away. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. And and those reserves actually go directly against earnings. That's right. Yeah, so it it makes makes an impact – uh, just by the bank's management of those of their portfolio of loans. So, right. Of course, uh, as we know, the earnings reports come out, and then the analysts spend the next three days telling us what they really say once you make all <laughs> yeah. those adjustments. Right. Yeah. But the stock market reacts immediately. Of course. Yeah. The all-knowing stock market. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. You say that, and I, I think you're poking fun just a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in finance classes, they taught us all that the, uh, the market knew everything. Right, yeah. I, and and it reacts to everything. It, it makes people like me and Nick sit around scratching our heads. Yeah, let's, I, you know, where where's the sense to be yeah, made the, in this? The market's price? efficient. Just look at like Hertz and Kodak and <laughs> <laughs> bankrupt companies going higher. Is yeah. that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. no doubt. All right, uh, we uh, if you look for the week, uh, the market's up 0.17 percent, so not a huge move. Real estate was the big winner, uh, 3.69 percent higher. Energy. Took it on the chin again, negative 365 for the week. So, uh, you know, kind of that piece of the trend is is continuing. I think we have a question about that later we'll talk about. Uh, Year-to-date, I mentioned markets up 1.4, but if you look over the last 12 months, um, the market is up 9.7%. How in the world can we have a near-normal year? This is like long-term average type returns on the last 12 months of the stock market. But there is a huge uh, divergence between the the haves and the have-nots, if you will. Information technology up 32.86% in the last 12 months. Uh, Again, consumer discretionary in second place at 18.8%. Healthcare, 18%. Energy down 37.94%. Just absolutely ugly. Uh, when it comes to that. So, you know, somewhere in the middle is our average. Nobody's close to it, but the S&P 500 return for the last 12 months, 9.7%. Um, just absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, if you dig a little deeper, um, you've got the five largest companies in the S&P 500 that have uh, performed somewhere around 50% or better right. in, in the last 12 months. Um, you know, just absolutely unbelievable with uh, companies like uh, Microsoft and, Facebook, and Google and Facebook. Amazon, and Netflix. Yeah. And by some calculations, if you were to take those large companies out, that accounts for a lot of the run-up. Really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're all around a 5% weight. So, you know, you're talking about 25% of the total um, index 
there's still uh, more than a third of the companies in the S&P 500 that are underwater for the year. Wow. So, yeah, it's uh, there. there is definitely some divergence in, in uh, what we've been seeing. Um, we have a few economic releases we wanted to talk about. Durable goods orders came out this week and rose 7.3% month over month in June. Uh, following a downward re- downward revised 15.1% jump. So uh, the kind of early normalization is in, and it looks like that might be slowing a bit. But uh, uh, we also saw Federal uh, Reserve Bank of Dallas and um, manufacturing activity in, in uh, Richmond, or from the Richmond Fed, both um, indicating... Uh, Bit of a normalization, but still somewhat underwater. I looked, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we got the ISM manufacturing index, and it's yeah. still contractionary, but very close. That'll be again on Monday. 50. Yeah, uh, so we had like like a 49.6 or something like that. Forecast for, I think, next week's, it's expansionary, 50, 52, so 53. Above. And keep in mind, you know, anything above 50 for the ISM is expansionary for the manufacturing sector, but the threshold for the overall economy is closer to 43. Okay, so, yeah. there we go. That's always good information to have. Uh, most of the news out of the the uh, home market has shown um, yeah, it's been increases positive. in prices. Yeah, yeah S&P, CoreLogic, Case-Shiller, 20-city uh, home price index rose 3.7% uh, from a year ago. This is as of uh, May, May 2020. Yeah, there's a big so lag. Yeah, uh, there is a lag there. Um, national index um, covering all nine census divisions rose 4.5%. Then we also got... Pending home sales, uh, which were up 6.3% year over year, and that's as of June. You saw a 0.3% increase in the south, 5.1% in the Midwest, 4.7% in the west. You only had the northeast region that fell, and it was down uh, less than 1%. Yeah, what I found interesting was uh, the southwest with Phoenix uh, had the biggest increase in home prices. You also had a giant increase in... uh, COVID infections. I don't know if that's what you're uh, yeah, comparing to there. Well, <laughs> what I what I find is interesting, and we heard this early on. Uh, New York home prices are only up 2.1 percent, so but below that average change. But there are a lot of folks that are trying to move out of the city, yeah, well, and into the burbs, and it, the the negative effect on the prices within you know um, uh, urban environments are actually impeding some of that in certain areas. Sure. And when you think about, you know, what were the hottest real estate markets before, you talk about New York City, uh, San Francisco, Seattle, and when, in fact, in the case of home price index, those had the the smallest gains, which you saw Chicago 1.3%, New York 2.1%, San Fran 2.2%. So the areas that you're used to seeing that greater price appreciation in are are definitely slowing. and, And you've heard plenty of stories of, you know, kind of an exodus from those regions. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a real quick break. Uh, when we come back, we will have a dog of the week. And uh, you got to listen. Listen to me. Why? Stick around. You're listening. To we'll find nothing in right. everything all at once. I am one of those melodramatic fools. Neurotic to the bone. No doubt about it. You This is the dog. The dog of the week. All right, dog of the week this week. Uh, anybody that's ever seen social media over the last four or five months at least should know what I mean when I say Karen. 
And it's unfortunate that some people named Karen have been caught up in a uh, in a term that's actually being used derogatory, I guess, in uh, uh, in social media these days. But Karen really refers to uh, it's going to be a woman, and uh, usually a woman that's acting up, not minding her own business. Um, you know, she wants to speak to the manager. She <laughs> exactly. I thought that was a different name at one point, but we've landed on Karen. So uh, Domino's, in order to alleviate some of the problem for those women who were named by their parents Karen, uh, but actually don't act like a Karen, decided that they would do something a little bit interesting. In their New Zealand and Australian arms, they decided that they would give free pizza to Karen. So they took uh, applications from 100 women um, whom were named Karen, literally named Karen, and uh, they were going to determine, well, they, they took applications from anyone. They were going to choose 100 of them to give them free pizza, uh, you know, hoping that they weren't acting like the quotes Karen. Uh, it seemed like it came to a horrible backlash. This is when marketing goes awry. When the Karens that didn't win got upset? No, actually, uh. everyone, before they even got to that point, they were... Uh, they were inundated with uh, social media posts about why in the world aren't you giving uh, free pizza to people who've already been uh, dealt a, a negative blow with the way society treats them anyway, and we don't believe that this is the right way to handle things. Uh, New Zealand pulled their Karen promotion, but Australia has pressed on with it so far. So, uh, so the know, Karens I, ruined it for Karen. I guess maybe that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, but it, it sounded like it was uh, it was uh, at least something that got them attention. I don't know. I'm not in uh, marketing, but I, yeah, I will Troy, tell you, you can't do anything nice for people these days because it, it's it's not for everyone. Oh well, I mean, isn't that what socialism's all about? And we're yeah. sliding a little closer to that as life goes on. And uh, I don't know. It just seems strange to me that even Karen can't get a free pizza for not being Karen. Anyway. Tragic story. Yeah, really. it's, uh, it's it's really odd. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, uh, we have, um, again, Dr. Roger Tuttero on with us today, and we do not want to miss the opportunity <laughs> to uh, pick his brain about economic activity or lack thereof or various uh, uh, conditions. Uh, so we've got a, a situation we want to talk through. Really, the stock market's recovered, and I use that also in air quotes, uh, from the coronavirus shock, and is trading at January 2020 levels. As we just noted, market's up about 1%, a little more uh, year-to-date. Portfolios have bounced back, and investors are cautiously optimistic um, while still defensively positioned, many of them, um, you know, and probably for good cause. Uh, but the Federal Reserve has promised to uh, use all of their tools, their full range of tools, to help the economy recover. Uh, but we got second quarter GDP. Nick mentioned it earlier. Uh, we got it this down week. 32 down 32 point. Yeah, ouch. Well, but generally it was, it was within the range was expected. Forecasts were from down 25% to down by 40 yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, and we knew the number was going to be horrible. We knew there would be a big shock effect. But let's put something in context. When you're hearing that number, that's a seasonally adjusted, here's the key component, annualized rate. Right. So it doesn't mean in the second quarter we produced 33% less stuff. 
What he means is in the second quarter, we produced about 9.5% less stuff. Yeah. And when you go down 9.5% and you and you convert to an annualized rate, you get that big number of 32.9. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're, not, we're not taking anything away from just how horrific the number was other than to say that it was expected and that you're likely going to see some numbers for the third quarter. They're going to be, you know, not that, not up 32%, but they could very easily be up half that or more. And so we just have to kind of look as a, a, a kind of a, a trailing several quarters here, because even within the second quarter, April and probably the first two thirds of May were horrible. But I think that the data shows that we started seeing the economy do a little bit better in June. Right. And so I think when the when the July data comes in in August, which will make up a lot of the recovery in the third quarter, the numbers will look a little more favorable. I think the outlook for getting GDP growth to be down about six percent, give or take one, for 2020 is still pretty much in play. Yeah. About anything's, anything's knocked that aside. Yeah, it seems to be the consensus at this point around six percent negative for the year. We went into the year with about, I think most of the numbers I'm seeing or was seeing was around three percent expected growth. Uh, yeah, we were year, more modest. You know, we had we had called for I think 1.9. We actually said. Yeah. GDP growth would be a little bit more moderate in 2020 because of some pullback in multifamily, some concerns over the motor vehicle industry probably pulling back a yeah, little bit. It was trending yeah. negative. It it fell off a cliff though. And yeah, oh yeah, nobody yeah. anticipated what happened in February, March. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the stock market has hasn't you know seems to have bounced back, and a lot of people are sitting scratching their heads. And you know, I mentioned Nick, and I do the same thing, but. Probably the the biggest thing that you have to understand about the stock market is it is forward looking, and uh, you know given given the fact that we do have some ugly um, ugly numbers that have been reported just in the last week and continue to be reported. I mean unemployment is still above ten percent, eleven point one I think it was at the last measure. Um, you know people aren't back to work yet. Uh, there's still grief. We have uh, coronavirus, which is the one piece that none of us can forecast what happens with that next. Uh, I guess until we get a vaccine, you know, nothing's nothing's complete. Now, there are companies that are telling us possibly September getting some vaccine to the market. But I I think that, that just is probably what more I like first pretty quarter. unlikely. Um, yeah, most likely trajectory. And again, I'm not an epidemiologist. Uh, I'm not, don't even play one on radio. But right. <laughs> it does look like, you know, they're making some progress towards some therapeutics. Right. It's possible that you will you will fast track a vaccine before the end of the year. Um, the problem with viruses is always that, uh, of course, they have the ability to mutate. Right. right. And it's unclear as of yet, at least with COVID-19, how long the the antibodies would hang around and so how right. long you would be have you know uh, be immune essentially from reinfection yeah and since so. that is truly what caused this uh you know i could argue valuations were s- stretched in the right. uh, stock market and various other things going into this but the the true trigger without a doubt has been covid and the forced shutdown of the economy right and and, and that's a great point is that when we analyze covid in the economy you got to remember there's the forced component, government mandates on shutdown, and now we're dealing with how households and businesses alter their voluntary behavior. And there's still a lot of households that aren't returning to the restaurants or being very cautious about shopping and retail, and that is not government mandate. That's confidence because it's going to have sure. to come back. Right. But I think you and Nick make a great point, which is that stock markets are forward-looking. It's uh, The S&P 500 is one of the 10 leading economic indicators. And so the, the market collapsed very, very fast as the news of the COVID came back, and it's come back to some degree. But the other thing to remember is when you've got a Federal Reserve that has pushed short-term rates down to zero, when you had a 10-year bond, as we were discussing, we were discussing off-air, that's at about 1.54, 
uh, th that means that you're virtually guaranteed some stimulative effect for the equity market. And certainly right now, if you're sitting out there and you're shopping around to find a bank CD that's going to pay you anything, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. and that's the that's a 30 at a 154, the 10-year at 50, 54 bips. You know, right. it's even yeah, lower. It's, right. I'm sorry, I may, may misspoke. Yeah, 54 bips on the 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of uh, pieces that are working together, some for us, some against us. Uh, even if you look, um, you know, at the numbers we were talking about coming into the show, um, we uh, we had talked about uh, how technology had done so well and energy had done so poorly. Uh, technology's demand has actually increased yeah. because nobody's close to each other. You still want to work. Uh, companies like uh, Microsoft with their teams uh, and companies like Zoom where, you know, you can hop on a video call, they, they have done well and, and for cause. But then you look at energy and nobody is driving. Right. You know, they right. didn't for a while. I know uh, some of the recent uh, data that I've seen, and they're using, uh, interestingly enough, they're using Google um, Google um, Maps to determine whether or not people are using that uh, map app sure. for driving directions or transit directions, various <laughs> things. Transit is still just flatlined. Uh, walking has improved from its early, you know, uh, January, February, March times. Uh, and uh, if you if you look at uh, driving, it's getting back, but it's not 100 percent back. I mean, you can even, even just locally, like you, any of us who've been out and about, you, you can definitely see it. You know, I drive home during rush hour every day uh, back to the city, and traffic has definitely picked back up from from where we were, you know, just a month, two months ago. Yeah. But uh, it's still nothing like well, what, what you I, experience because you know everyone still, for the most part, has that option of of telecommuting. Yeah, I know in Georgia. We had um, the stay-at-home order went away May 1st. And if you were out prior to that, any, you would notice a huge difference on May 1st. Right. It seemed like, you know, we were back to the races. Um, but I think even some of that has tapered a little bit since, uh, you know, since we have seen a, a resurgence in, in the number of cases, even locally in Georgia. I'm confident this time next year you'll be sitting on 285 in traffic for bumper hours. Bumper to bumper, yeah. And you'll That's be right. yearning for the days of yesteryear. That's when it's right. Down, so. I think well, right. I, yeah, I, the thing that I ponder, and, and we can talk about this in a few minutes, I think we'll take a break real quick, but uh, the, the thing that I would like to uh, think about is how much is this a forever change? I think some people are not going back to the office. Yeah, I'd also like to talk about, you know, we've, the employment situation. We got that released next Friday, so I think it's worth touching on as well. Absolutely. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. We'll be right back. It's impossible to know the future. But if things slow down, it helps to be prepared. This is Money Talks. We're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci and Dr. Roger Tuttero. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the economy versus the stock market and things that we're watching. Um, if you have questions for us, your financial questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can call our question hotline at one 429 9166 The way it works, you'll get our recording at the beep. You can leave your message, including your question. We'll play it on the air and answer right behind it. 
If you prefer to call and talk to a human, you can do that. The number is 770-429-9166. Ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn, and she will get your question to us for answer. Uh, If you prefer to email, you can do that as well. It's drgenehensler.com, spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Now, if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you'd rather just go out and dig around and find your own information, we've got loads of that available on Hensler.com, our website uh, for Hensler Financial. Again, it's spelled the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Um, so, Roger, when uh, you know when we were talking, we, we talked about uh, you know various things, things we know, things that have been reported. Um, so my question is, what about what comes next? I mean, do we go back to normal? Is this a game changer? Does this change forever? You know, I think there are aspects of business that probably will change permanently. I think we have educated an entire generation for how you conduct business and how you live your life remotely. Uh, I have friends that are in the professional sales arena, and they will tell you that they realize how much time and travel funds they save with with these meetings that are done through Zoom or Teams or whatever. I think a lot of that changes. In education, obviously, we're uh, going to use the technology more aggressively than we have in the past. I think healthcare, all the professional business services arena. I'm sure you guys schedule meetings now that you use Zoom on with clients. Absolutely. You might have done face-to-face before. Daily. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. We've done a lot of that. And the the jury's still out, but it's hard not to believe this will have not only big implications for retail, but Class A office space. Because you you may not need the same number of square feet of employee if we do more telecommuting and more uh, more remote um, meetings. So it's going to be interesting to see. Now, one thing that I've noticed is it seems like young folks, at least, uh, really prefer what we're doing now. You know, not having to commute, uh, being at home maybe working in their pajamas, at least the pajama bottoms if they're on a Zoom call, right? <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, so it, it seems to me that there's going to be a little bit of resistance for them to get back in the office. But uh, I have noted that uh, there are a lot of salespeople who would rather be in front of you. Uh, you know, they'd rather have the face-to-face meeting, in-person, shake your hand, talk to you in that manner. Uh, and not only that, but uh, trainers, people who uh, train uh, individuals within a business say that there are certain things that uh, you just can't right. relay to the next generation, to the you know to your younger employees, uh, and and it seems to me like one of the major losses could be, you know, if you have some sort of a, a special environment that you've created within your business, uh, the culture could be lost right. uh, through a stay-at-home. Yeah, you know, and I, I think part of that is just due to the fact that. You know, we all grew up in an education system where you were present. There wasn't and, until, you know, later in college for me, there wasn't online learning. You couldn't take online classes. Right. So we grew up being face to face with people. I think, you know, the younger kids now that are in elementary school, if they grow up to this digital learning, it's there's not going to be such a, a huge, uh, I guess, whether there's a decline in education from switching the methods or what, but right. if that's ingrained in them, it's not going to be, you know, they're not going to think twice about it. Which for me, if I had to go to college right now, online only, 
it would be a struggle because I just I'm used to the in-person learning. I, I, I take to it better that way, and it would be a significant adjustment for me to make. But you know, whether it's education or it's professional business services, I think what will come out of this will be a hybrid. You'll still have some face-to-face meetings, but you'll learn how to use technology to lever that. Sure. And, and I, for one, you know, we taught online at KSU this summer, mm-hmm. and some of the classes will be online, some will be face-to-face in the fall. And so we develop materials that I think we'll use them even in face-to-face classes. So I think that, you know, the business sector is going to follow the same thing. You know, a good example, a friend of mine lives in Milwaukee. He sells industrial equipment. Typically, the sales guys would get together in Detroit about every three months. Now they can do Zoom. They save a 1000 bucks travel and two days of time. Yeah. yeah. So some huge efficiency gains to be had there. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, uh, you know, as, as far as... Um any other items that uh, that you wanted to talk about as well, far as economics and one, the stock market? One thing we kind of touched on off air that, that I want to talk about a bit is the employment situation. You know, we have a jobs report next Friday. Um, again, it's gonna, expected to be pretty significant increase in jobs added. I think we had, what, 4.8? Yeah, 4.8 last time. Yeah. 2.5 is expected right. for uh, July. Right. So continued improvement, but we're seeing – Continuing claims, uh, you know, 17 million continuing claims, 1.4 million new claims every week. And then something we've noticed is, you know, continued headlines of of layoffs in in big corporations, permanent layoffs. These aren't furloughs. Yeah. And I just can't help but think that, sure, you're seeing improvement, you're seeing jobs added back monthly, but is there going to be a stall in that? And at some point, this employment data is going to turn back negative again. Yeah, it's hard to say, but I do know one thing. Uh, I have heard instances, and this might just be, you know, some uh, some coincidence that's unique to me, uh, but I, I don't think it is. There's a lot of folks that were getting that extra $600 uh, from the government yeah. for being unemployed. That just ended. Uh, I know there is a, a bill being proposed maybe mm-hmm. to spend another trillion dollars uh, which we can get into the who sp- who pays for this right. later, but uh, you know there there is a proposal to extend that. We also have, uh, you know, we've got uh, loan, uh, not loans, but uh, yeah, forbearance, gun, mortgage forbearance, and, yeah. and and also student loans as well. Forbearance, yeah, right. And and there's the PPP loans, the part of that that will actually can be forgiven. I right, think there's still right. some some ambiguity there in terms of the minds of both some borrowers and lenders. But you had a great point. When you're getting an extra six hundred dollars per week, twenty four hundred dollars a month. There are a lot of there are employees, particularly in in hospitality and retail, that actually got a pay raise with right. the unemployment benefits. And when those go away, even if their old jobs are offered back to them, it's gonna it's gonna change the dynamic a little bit. It's gonna be interesting to watch, shall we say? Yeah. But but Nick's point on forbearance is so important because we're gonna find out um, how well we can actually service the debt because so far we haven't seen big issues in terms of delinquencies on debt because of forbearance. It's going to hit mortgages, but don't think about commercial real estate. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do if your tenant doesn't want to pay rent? Are you going to kick them out when you're unlikely to have another tenant to replace them for a while? So it's creating some, some really challenging dynamics, I think, out there. Yeah. So that forbearance cliff may be every bit as important as the fiscal cliff when it comes to fruition. Yeah, and we saw, you know, fiscal cliff raised a, a whole lot of stink in the in the media. Uh, they ultimately got that straightened out back. What was that? 2011 that we had the fiscal cliff. Yeah, well, in this in this use, we mean when the fiscal support programs such as right. enhanced unemployment benefits go away. So the modern fiscal yeah, the, cliff, right, if you as will. opposed to the the, yeah. the one for the debt ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, exactly. So uh, it, when when uh, when you think about all of that. What does the economy look like to you? I mean, do you have fears then 
going forward? You know, I do. I think consensus outlook is that you'll get negative 6% or 6% contraction sure. in the economy for the year. Now, if you pull all the math together, basically, we dropped about 20% annualized rate in the first half of the year, right. 5% and then 33 And uh, second half, I think you're going to get a good third quarter. You're getting a bounce back effect. Fourth quarter, I think, could be a little bit more uh, more of a gradual increase or move sideways. But you cannot rule out the possibility of another leg down. When, when, when the forbearance cliff goes by, when the fiscal cliff goes by, uh, if we have another infection and we forget that we had at least three, maybe even four rounds of the Spanish flu between 1918 and 1920. Right. And so we, you can't rule out another um, pandemic-induced contraction. A lot yeah. of uncertainty right now, and, and pair that with the fact that it's an election year. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, 1918 was an election year, but it was midterm. And it was, uh, right. you know, there was um, there was uh, some jubilation after the election because the party in power were the Democrats, and they had been uh, holding Congress for 10 years prior to that. Right. Uh, they lost both party, both the uh, House and the Senate. So to the Republican Party, uh, there was a big uh, party after that, and there was also a huge wave of new cases of right. the Spanish flu. Right. Uh, so, you know, anytime you see uh, jubilation in the streets, right. uh, positive, yeah. negative, whatever it might be, uh, these days, it, it, you better watch. And, the, and it flows both ways. There's no doubt cases. that the pandemic has changed some of the approval ratings and the likely Absolutely. outcome of the electoral trajectory for this year. Yeah, no doubt. And um, that'll be a good spot to, to pick up in the next segment, I believe, uh, because there is a lot to consider uh, on a change in uh, uh, regime, if you want to call it that. All right. Uh, well, we'll uh, take a real quick break here. When we get back, we'll talk some more finance, economics. Stick around and listen to Money Talks. Economy we've ever had. And then one day you have to close it down in order to defeat this enemy. When, when things, things go, wrong, go wrong, knowledge is his power. This is Money Talks. We're back. Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci and Dr. Roger Tuttero. Uh, been talking about um, the economy versus. The stock market, and uh, we got a little more of that to go. Um, before I get into that, if you have financial questions, economic questions, tax questions, any of those, uh, we'd love to hear from you. We've got experts in uh, at least all of those fields and several others. Uh, but uh, you can reach us on our question hotline at one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. The way it works, you'll hear our recording uh, at the beep leave your message, including your question. We play it on the air, answer your question right behind it. Uh, we'll do the same. If you would rather just call and talk to a human, you can call 770-429-9166. Uh, ask for Kelly Lynn or the radio show, and um, she'll get your questions to us. Uh, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. 
or you can do it yourself. Uh, we've got lots and lots of information downloaded on our website. Hensler.com, again, is where you can find that, spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. So uh, one thing, Nick, you brought it up, uh, so I'll uh, blame it on you, but uh, this is an election year. Um, we've got a president with an approval rating of around 38%, I think, if uh, if my numbers are correct. Uh, and who knows about that? I mean, polling data has not been the most reliable for a while. Uh, we've had a stock market that fell more than 20%. In fact, almost 34% in March. Either one of those things, we have never seen historically the sitting president reelected. However, this is so different because the recession that we've seen was not caused by actions of the president. Uh, his approval rating, uh, arguably, you would say, yeah, okay, maybe that one's on him. But, uh, you know, we've also seen the stock market recover from that 34% loss in March. Um, and and I think anyone who's reasonable is not blaming the, the economy on the president. So uh, we, we get a real odd feeling. I think probably the best thing you can do uh, one of the most reliable indicators is the stock market when it comes to elections. Well, that's one of the old adages is nothing matters as much on the election day as the price of bread, so the economics matter. I think we've got to be careful. In 2016, we learned how hard it is to anticipate how the actual electorate turns out. Sure. Uh, I think that President Trump certainly has a bit of an uphill battle at this point. Sure. Um, but fundamentally, you know, there's there's basically five or six states that are going to, depending which way they break, uh, you know, it's Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, and those are really the states that are going to determine who wins the White House. I mean, I think um, a couple more worth noting. I think that, that um, Arizona was a state that President Trump won by a decent margin, but the demographics changing there kind of put that in play. Uh, Pennsylvania is a state that he won by a thin margin, um, in part because it didn't, the Democrats did not run up the margins in the Philly suburbs that they typically do. And that's also, a force, unfortunately, for President Trump, that's where Joe Biden's kind of from that I-81 corridor, and, 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 and he runs pretty well with blue-collar workers. So right. I, think he, I think President Trump will have his hands full in Pennsylvania uh, with Vice President Biden. Now, as for which way Florida goes, uh, Wisconsin... Uh, North Carolina will still remains to be seen. And the one thing that's not being talked about as much as I think it should be is it's not just up to the president whether or not we get uh, passage of bills. You've got to have the Senate. Right. And the Senate still belongs uh, to the Republicans. There are a lot of Republican seats up for grabs yep. this year, though. Right. And there's what, like, you know, if they if they go, uh, if Biden did win, then you have to have three Republicans defeated to get uh, to the vice president who would be the deciding factor. Yeah, that's right. I mean, right now it's, I think the general handicapping is that um, there's a good chance Alabama will flip from D to R. Right. Um, it looks like Colorado and is likely to go R to D. And right. um, Arizona, Martha McSally's running behind Mark Kelly by a significant margin. But the real question is going to be, is the states of Maine and North Carolina uh, which were Susan Collins in Maine and Tom Phillips in North Carolina, and then Joni Ernst in Iowa. Those are the three states that I think the Republicans, if they carry them, uh, then they, they will maintain control of the Senate. Right. Uh, and, of course, the Senate matters um, not just because you have to get bills through both houses of Congress, but it has the, the power to confirm 
uh, federal appointees, including uh, judges. Right. So that's going to be that's going to be a lot. I think at the end you'll see a lot of money plowing into key Senate races. Yeah, uh, so. and I think we're already seeing some of that because uh, you know there has been some conversation as to whether or not Georgia had a Senate seat that was up for grabs. Right. But I think that's uh, probably somewhat a long shot still at this well, point. Well, I mean, I, th- I think it could, it could break. It could break either way. But I think that the Republicans are in pretty good shape in both of those seats. I like to remind people two things. We're sitting here today. It is the first of August, right? And uh, you know, in in eternity, electoral politics. Or three months is an eternity in electoral politics. And typically races like presidential races tighten up until maybe 48 hours out. And so I think you will probably see this tighten up. Uh, we don't have a running mate for uh, for um, Vice President Biden yet. And so there's a lot of interesting things that will happen. And debate performances, if we sure. have them, possibility of a vaccine or a more aggressive therapeutics. So there's a lot to be figured out between now and early November. Yeah, Is it I typically this late in, in the election that you've announced your, your running mate? Well, you know, of course, in, in the... I don't, I don't know. If you go 40 years, 50 years ago, you actually had open conventions in terms of selecting who the running mate would be. Uh, in fact, if you remember 1980... Um, going into the Republican National Convention in, in Detroit, there was no running mate. Bush came out of that after the kind of, you know, they, they flirted with the dream ticket of Reagan Ford. And so this whole announcing of your running mate before the conventions, I think, is a relatively new phenomenon. Yeah, so um, uh, the other thing I guess we should say is, uh, you know, historically we've seen the stock market do better under a Democrat presidency than we have Republican. However, when the the balance of power changes from Republican to Democrat in every instance, you see a pretty significant pullback in the market. Uh, you know, going into the to the next few months. Yeah, the old folk folklore was that the stock market does better under Democrats, the bond market does better under Republicans. But I hate those kind of generalizations. Sure. Uh, but but I do think it is worth acknowledging that if the Democrats take both controls of the Houses of Congress and the White House, you will see some significant changes in fiscal policy. I think Mr. Biden's been clear that he wants to revert back to Obama-era income tax rates. Right. And you could actually see a less favorable uh, uh, capital gains tax environment, which is right. a big deal for your for your cust- for your uh, readership. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. And and that's, uh, that proposal, I believe, that you're talking about with capital gains would revert back to where it is basically your marginal tax rate uh, from what I've understood. So uh, there are there are definitely th- some things to watch. Uh, the one thing I would say is, uh, again, that, you know, the market indicator that's that's been a little better than uh, most others. Uh, last time I look at predicted a lot. It's a website that, you know, right. you can go on and, and uh, bet on politics of, of all things, but uh, November 1st of 2016, 82% chance that we were going to have Hillary Clinton right. as a president. Right. Uh, obviously, it didn't go that way. This this moment, we're about 62% for a Biden victory. Yeah, and I mean, the other market that actually predates predicted is, of course, the University of Iowa's electronic market, um, and, and it also had, it, it had President Trump being elected, uh, at 3 a.m. the day after the election. So clearly <laughs> a lot of people were fooled. How timely. Uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, one, one more comment on taxes if we can. Um, if you see Democrats take control, you are like, either party could revisit the cap on state and local tax deductibility, which is a, a big deal. 
uh, for some from higher net worth individuals or people that live in high property tax states. Uh, but the Democrats certainly, the states where the, where the, the $10,000 deductibility cap was the most onerous were places like New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, Illinois, California. Right. These are blue states. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you would uh, potentially see the, the reversion to that. All right, uh, we do have one question. We could probably answer this one relatively quick that I would like to cover. Uh, Gordon from Alpharetta says, I keep hearing that retail sales are suffering during this crisis. I get that we're not buying clothes and cars, but every dang day my wife and teens are getting deliveries. We've double, doubled our grocery budget. Uh, we've purchased more and more uh, for the house at Home Depot and Lowe's, patio furniture, garden tools, uh, plants, Etc. We're upgrading our computers since we're working schooling from home. I could go on. I complained to the neighbor, and he says his house is the same. So, what do we make of this? Is it just a, a change in uh, the types of things that are being bought? Well, I, I think we've looked for quite a while at seeing the um, the, the Amazon.com effect right. of people buying more and more from home, and I think that. Again, one of the unexpected consequences is we're training a whole other generation how to shop in line, uh, online rather. And I mean, once I realized I could order instant coffee and Campbell's soup delivered to the house, it changed my entire outlook. So that's right. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's about all we got uh, time for. I'm going to say the market's up next week. What do you think, Nick? I'll go with you, Troy. Up. All right, Roger. You're not going to weigh in on this one, are you? No, sir. All right. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll be back next week. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.